Welcome to Freedom Now with Peter Asanful. Freedom Now is brought to you by the Spirit Life People, a ministry that focuses on teaching you how to live and walk in the Spirit so that you can manifest Christ's freedom in your life. It is our prayer that you shall be transformed as you receive the word from the Lord today. And now, here's your host, Peter Asanful. John chapter number four, our foundation verse for the entire series. First John chapter number four, from verse number one, it says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God because many false prophets have gone out into the world amen by this you know the spirit of god every spirit that confesses that jesus christ has come in the flesh is of god and every spirit that does not confess that jesus christ has come in the flesh is not of god and this is the spirit of the antichrist which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world now <laughs> whenever i read this verse john was writing this this particular verse over thousands of years ago and he said that the spirit of the antichrist even at that time was already there and yet you find some people who who think that they are now waiting for some antichrist okay and then that antichrist will be that person who will mark the coming of jesus christ the reality is that already in the world there's a spirit of antichrist Anybody who opposes Jesus Christ is an antichrist. The word anti simply means oppose. So whether there is a person that you know a lot of people will draw that antichrist person, so he'll be sitting on the throne, and then you know, like the devil and all of that. Whatever you say, anybody who does not like jesus is an antichrist so the spirit of antichrist is the spirit of the devil who is already in the world long time ago praise the lord now and that is why we must test every spirit because if you don't test the spirit you don't know which one is from god many people many false what will make them false prophet they will say that they are prophets of god but truly they are not prophets so if you look at them based on their titles because this one says i'm a prophet of god i'm an apostle of god i'm this and this and this and this and then you look at them based on their titles you will miss it and that is why you must test the spirits now john gave us one I, I say it is one way of testing the spirit. 
It's just one way of testing the spirit. Because the Bible says that in 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Amen. He's a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So, now, I want today, we're going to look at some few ways we can test the spirit, you know, of, of God. Are you here with me? Please, are you in church? Let me know that you are in church because Jesus is here. How would you know that this spirit or this person who is talking is of God or this one is not from God? Now, we, we must come to that conclusion. In fact, today, 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 today. I told you last week that Obu uh, Bora has his ear. No, say, ah, Jesus is not come in the flesh. It's very straightforward. I saw this one. This one is not from God. In fact, how many, how many false prophets do you think will come and stand? Okay. How many? And say, oh, Jesus is not come in the flesh. Maybe recently I heard they said this guy was his name. There's a, some prophet who said the Bible is nothing. The, the Bible is useless. Recently, uh, the name you maybe you have heard him. I just don't want to mention the name. He said the Bible is nothing. There's nothing in the Bible. So this one you can easily put him somewhere easily. But what about those who, who will not even tell you that the Bible is nothing? They will be tell you that Jesus is God, but they are not from God. How can you discern? Amen. Now, I have always, for a while now, been teaching you how you can identify yourself as a child of God. All right? If you fail to know who you are, then whatever anybody says, you believe it. Let's say, for example, I, okay, let me use myself as an example. One day I was in a country and I was going to send money to, you know, mommy. So whilst I was in the Western Union office and I was doing my transaction, there was another man who was doing his transaction. So after he finished his transaction, I was focusing on, after he finished his transaction, he picked his phone and he called. And as soon as he made the call, he started speaking in Ghan. Oh, he said, I want to check you. go and take the money. As soon as the man started speaking Ghan, and I started smiling because I could speak Ghan, understand Ghan. So quickly, I realized that this man is a Ghanaian. But when I entered the office to send the money, I didn't realize he was a Ghanaian. But because he spoke a language I understood, I quickly realized that this man is a Ghanaian. So when he dropped the call, 
Then I was like, oh, Anyemi, that's how I be. I just, when I meet a foreigner, some uh, Ghanaian outside, that's how sometimes, oh, Minia, like that kind of thing, you know how we say it. And I was like, oh, Anyemi, then he replied. Then we shook hands. We don't answer from Adam. But because he spoke Ghan, I spoke Ghan, and we have met in a foreign land, it was like we, we, we know ourselves from, you know, our mother's rooms. And we chatted for like 30 minutes. He realized that, he said, ah, this place, in Ghana, I don't see Ghanaians here. You are, you are the first person. So he was so happy. He took my number. He, I even invited him to my apartment. I cooked jollof one Saturday. And we ate. And it was a very fantastic moment. Because I have met someone who we understand each other. Amen, somebody. So, when you want to know that somebody is from God, in fact, if you want to know that somebody is from Christ, we must be on the same page. I know what I'm saying. I told you last week. Hey, why are you sitting here today? Where, where is it in your position? What's now position? What's now your I always see her to be here, so when... It's like uh, I'm, I'm <laughs> yes, yes, sit at your position, amen. <laughs> All right, so if if you want to know that this man of God is from God, Master, we must speak the same language. I know what I'm saying, we must speak the same language, and in this case, both the one preaching and you, the one hearing. You must know that we are both from Christ. Now, everything about us begins in Christ. That's the first thing. The first thing you can test every spirit or the spirit you are hearing is that the message and the one speaking, they must speak the language of Christ. That, I want to lay that foundation okay yeah because it is not easy to test a spiritual i'm telling you it is not easy to know that oh this spirit is from god or when when john was saying this spirit please don't confuse it everybody is influenced by a spirit of some type whether by the spirit of god or by the spirit of the devil amen yes yes yeah so, first of all, if you are listening to somebody, a preacher, a prophet, an apostle, you must establish that this person is talking from Christ. Because that is where both of us, like I said, the man, we got to know that we are from Ghana because of the language. So, if somebody is talking to you and the person is from Christ, the person will start speaking in a way that you will know that, okay, this person is from Christ. How would you know that this person is from Christ? What kind of Christ am I talking about? Please pay attention. Because I'll be teaching you some important things today. What, what kind of Christ am I talking about? You remember in the Bible, in the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, Paul says something. Paul said that there are different kinds of Christ. So what Christ are we talking about? Let me make it simple for you. 
there is a Jesus Christ before his death and burial. And there's a Jesus Christ after his death and burial. There are two types. So I want you to understand. You and I today, we believe in Jesus and especially not in not the Jesus who even walked on the face of the earth before he died. What makes you and I, our faith, complete is because we believe that Jesus Christ, he died, he was buried, and most importantly, he was raised. If you don't believe that Jesus Christ was raised, then you cannot say you are a Christian. If you only believe in the Jesus who walked on the face of, on the street of Galilee, and did all those miracles, signs and wonders, then you have not believed in the Jesus we are talking about. Because the Jesus we are talking about is that Jesus who was raised from the dead. Very, very important. First, Second Corinthians 5. Let's, let me show you that. Okay, before we even go to Second Corinthians, let's do First Corinthians. Then I will add Second Corinthians. First Corinthians chapter 15. First Corinthians chapter number 15. Let's read from verse number 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel, alright? Gospel means good news, which I preach to you, which also you received, and in which you stand, by which also you are saved. Please mark it in your Bible. So the gospel that Apostle Paul he preached, okay, to the Corinthians, that got them saved, and by which they were standing, is what he was about to say in First Corinthians chapter fifteen. If you hold fast to that word which I preach to you, unless you believe in vain, can you read verse three together, please? Let's read it together. Open your Bible and read it together. One to go. For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, colon, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Amen. When I add the verse 5, it says, And that he was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve, after that he was seen by over five hundred brethren at once, of whom the great parts remain to the present, but some have fallen asleep. Now, so the the good news, okay, that Paul he preached to the Corinthians was that yes, Jesus was that man who died. He died according to the scriptures for our sins. He was buried according to the scriptures for our sins, and he was raised. Okay. For our justification. When you read the book of Romans, it says Jesus Christ was raised for our justification. Which means that if Jesus was not raised from the dead, no man would have been what? Standing before God justified. In other words, when you say justified, it means that we are standing before God like we have never sinned before. So, God is now the 
dealing with you and me based on what Christ has done. So if you believe in Jesus Christ, not that Jesus Christ that was you know born in Galilee or Bethlehem and no 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 talking about the resurrected Jesus. If you believe that Jesus he came into the world, yes, in the flesh, and that you believe that he died for your sins and that he was raised for you. If you believe in that resurrected Jesus, then based on you believing in that resurrected Jesus, your sins are forgiven. Amen. Okay? And that because of that, because I believe in the resurrected Jesus, now I am shielded in Christ. So when God is looking at you, he will not look at you as, as Richard. He will look at you based on Jesus. So God's attention is on Jesus. And anyone who is in Christ is secured because of Jesus. Do you understand it? If there was no resurrection of the dead, then there was nothing for us. I get it. When you go down, when you go down um, the same chapter, the same chapter we read, we read he, Paul said that if there was no resurrection of the dead, then we were finished. Because what is the difference? People die. They don't come back. So if everybody, if Jesus had died and he wasn't, he, like he was not raised, then what difference was he from the average human being? No difference. But because he was raised from the dead, and that is what we believe, then he did it on my behalf, on your behalf, so that now in Christ, we are secured. I get what I'm saying. So, if you hear a preacher who cannot tell you that because of Christ you are secured, okay, and that you by your own self have to do something special to please God, like to cast the eye of God, no, it's a red flag. For example, there are many preachers out there who are telling people, keep the Ten Commandments. If you don't keep the Ten Commandments, you are in trouble. There are people who say that the best day we must worship God is Saturday because of the Ten Commandments. So if you don't worship God on Saturday, you are, you are breaking the laws of God. And these are, they call themselves pastors, prophets. And because of that, people who say they are Christians, quote unquote, they are fighting one another. Hey, you don't worship on Saturday. You don't keep the tongue commanded. You are a sinner. Me, I keep the tongue. I go to church on Saturday, so I'm the best. You see? And people are not able to discern and know that what you are saying is what is wrong. Yes. I believe in the Bible. I believe in it. I have no doubt. But the fact that somebody picks the Bible and quotes something does not mean ah, even Satan could tell the scripture. So if Satan could quote uh, quotations from the Bible, does that make Satan a prophet? Uh, you didn't hear what I said. Uh, that, no, the, the, no, when he was even exchanging with Jesus. So can you imagine? He was not exchanging it with ordinary people. Jesus. Jesus. Did he mean that Satan became an apostle of Jesus instantly? So Satan could give false prophets scriptures to quote. That should tell you something. How delicate. Very dice. I don't know. A very slippery. 
Because there are some people, they are so, you see, they are so weak. They don't understand what we are doing. Oh, so for this, if you buy a kind of Bible, were you? They will mislead you right now. I was on a Twitter space recently, and the person was arguing, arguing. I was like, then I, I requested them, I said, listen, if you want to keep your Old Testament uh, commandment, don't just even, don't take Sabbath out of the Ten Commandments. If you go and read Exodus 20, you see all the Ten Commandments there. You think that the Sabbath is only convenient for you because it's a Saturday. You, that you are arguing so proficiously on, on, on Twitter, have you kept the entire Ten Commandments? The Ten, have you kept it? And I told him, I said, listen, you people, you don't know, you are ignorant. You are ignorant. You are taking the ten in, in total, there are about 614 laws. God gave Moses. 614. You, you have taken 10. So the 604 that is left, you think they are different. He said, but I'm not supposed to kill goats. I'm not supposed to I'm not, I'm not supposed to do this. I say, you, you see, that's where you are getting it wrong. The Ten Commandments, if you start reading the book of Exodus, you realize that the Ten Commandments is a pro you cannot take the Ten Commandments out of the rest of the commandments of God. They are interconnected. And the Bible says in the book of Galatians that if you break one law, just one, you are breaking the entire law. So, if you like, keep only the Ten Commandments and the Sabbath law. If you, if you break one, one, Yamu to the rest is gone. So, in this day that we are in, now you are finding pastors, quote and unquote, prophets, apostles, they are telling people, go and keep the Ten Commandments. Keep the Ten Commandments. Clearly, this person is an antichrist. Do you know why? Because the law, after Jesus fulfilled the law, it has nothing to do with the law again. Whether you like it or not. Jesus didn't die in vain. He died so that every single Lord, that is why when he was walking on the face of the earth, he said, he said, oh, I didn't come right now as I am here, okay, to destroy the law. But I must do the law. The word fulfill means do it. So Jesus Christ made sure that he did the law. Why? Because the laws were given to Moses by God. So the laws were given by, a, by God. So it was holy. Okay? The laws were not Moses' own, you know, uh, like laws. He didn't just out of his head. Because then Jesus wouldn't have kept everything. But the reason Jesus Christ said he didn't come to destroy the law but to do them was because all the laws came from God. And God's word, when it goes out of his mouth, must be what? Must be fulfilled. And two, Jesus was God's chosen man to represent the entire human race. So whatever Jesus did, he did it on our behalf. Please, are you following me? Pay attention. No. I'm laying the foundation so that next time when you hear somebody trying to deceive you, with flat words, you just ignore the person. Many people are out there. 
the fact that you see, oh, this is a church, doesn't mean it's a church of God. Oh, this one is a prophet, doesn't mean it's a prophet of God. Hear the content. What is the person saying? Amen. I told you last week, hey, if you, if you go into the Old Testament, I, I told you, say, the Bible, you know, they go to the so how do you know? And then they'll go to some fetish, and the woman will put a rope in the Bible, and then she will spin the Bible, and then when she opens somewhere, she'll find some quotation, something, something. The old testament, the kind of things you can find in the old testament, it will blow your mind. That's why I mean when I if you see me reading the old testament, I'm just reading for the I want to gain some knowledge. But it is the New Testament that I learn to live. Well, that one is practical teachings. Amen, somebody. Yeah. In the Old Testament, there's no forgiveness. Why? Because the Lord does not forgive. I told you last week, the Lord does not forgive. Have you ever seen mercy in the Lord before? So I told you last week, that is why God had to introduce the mercy seat. The mercy seat that had a cherubim and a seraphim on it. The mercy seat. Why didn't God put mercy in the law? But had to introduce a mercy seat that the children of Israel had to be carrying. Everywhere they went, they had to be carrying. Because in the law, when you break the law, punishment must come. Punishment. And you want people to go and keep the law for what? So if you hear somebody who is preaching the law, you must know this spirit is not from Christ. Simple. Point, point blank. It's not about it's not about any if you hear the person is trying to promote the law over Christ. No, there are people right now. Some some I'm sorry, I'm in the New Testament. But sorry, I'm saying spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. You see, they don't understand. They don't understand. Now let's go to the second Corinthians. Second Corinthians chapter 5. I have read this verse before, but I always go back to this verse because it's an important verse. Many, 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 many Christians, they have not paid attention. To get the context, let's read from verse 14. Second Corinthians chapter 5 from verse number 14. For the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus. That if one died for all, then what happened? Then all died. Are you reading your Bible? Where's your Bible? Find a Bible. Find a Bible and read. Please, can we read it? Can we read that portion again? One to go. That if one died for all, then what happened? All died. If one person died for. You know, um, The high priest, what's his name? Caiaphas. Caiaphas said, it is expedient for one person to die for the nation than everybody in the nation should perish. You see the whole thing. So, back in the day, back in the day, in the time of the Jews, they had the belief that it's because they were expecting a Messiah. And they, they understood that the Messiah was that one person. Who had to take upon the sin of the entire people? 
Okay? So they had that understanding. They had that knowledge. And if it's from that understanding that Paul wrote some of these things. He said, it is, if one person died, then all died. So the wisdom of God was that it's not like, oh, you have to die for your sin. You have to die for... No, 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 no. Can I have one person who can represent all the people? And then Jesus showed up. Say, okay, I want to die for them. Okay? And then he died for all of us. I'm, I'm trying to bring your mind to understanding the reality. All right. Verse 15. And he died for all that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Underline. Rose again. Very, very important. So Jesus died for us. So we don't live for ourselves. We are not selfish again. We live for him. In other words, whatever he says we should do is what we do. We are living for him. All right? Now, verse 16, very, very important. Based on what we have heard so far, he went on to say, therefore. You know, the word therefore means some things preceded what he was about to say. Therefore, because he died and rose again for us, and because he died and all died, therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, again, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new Christian. All things have passed away. Build all things have become. So, before you even get to that very verse of 2 Corinthians 5.17, the Holy Spirit through the man of God is establishing a truth that you must understand. He said, first, we used to know Jesus Christ in the flesh. You see, that's why I was telling that there are two types of Christ here. The Jesus who was in the flesh that walked on the street of what? Galilee. That is one. If your belief as, as a Christian is on the one who was walking on the street of Galilee, there's a problem. I know what I'm saying. There's a problem. Because the Jesus who walked on the face of, the Gali of, of Galilee he died and rose again. So now, if anyone is in Christ, it's a new Christian. We, are, we don't see Christ according to the flesh again. Now, if we don't see Christ according to the flesh again, then how do we see him? How do we see him? We see him as the spirit. Okay? Where is it? Um... The, uh, we are in the second Corinthians, right? Okay. So. When you go to. Just. I'm looking for. I didn't have any in my notes, but. Second. Corinthians chapter number four.
I'm looking for the context so that we can read it. Now, oh, sorry. It's, it's in the, um, verse 7 of the same chapter we just read. 2 Corinthians 5, 7. Sorry. It says, For we walk by faith and not by sight. You see? For we walk by faith and not by what? So, if you are, you are walking by faith, meaning that you don't see. You don't use what you see. You use what you believe. That's the essence of faith. So, if you are believing, oh, like how some churches, they will, you know, show they're married, they'll do something, something. No, no, no. We don't believe in Jesus because he walked on the face. What makes him unique and different is that he rose again. In the same second Corinthians, the Bible says that what? For the Lord is the spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Are you getting it now? So, which means that Jesus now is not a flesh and blood person. He's a spirit. It's a spirit. And that one alone should let you know that there's nothing natural about Jesus anymore. Go and read the Bible, especially after he, he was raised from the dead. The disciples, they were, they were fellowshipping in one place. And then, boom, he appeared there. He just appeared. He didn't have to knock the door. If he wasn't a spirit, he would have to knock the door. But he just, he just appeared there. He just entered. Simple. Praise the Lord. So, if somebody is telling you about Jesus, how do you, do, you know, I'm, I'm teaching you how to test spirits. That will not be obvious. So, if you are hearing to a preacher, what are you looking out for? You are looking out for one. The person must be talking about Christ in the context of his resurrection. That's number one. Two, the preacher must be talking about Christ in the context of the spirit. Please write this. It's very, very important. I'm giving you key points. In the context of the resurrection, in the context of the spirit, The context of the, in the context of the spirit. When you, when you go to um, Romans eight, let's go to Romans chapter number eight. It says. Verse 14, Romans 8, 14. Can we all read it together? For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. The Spirit of God. Okay. Okay. 
Amen. Go to the verse 1. It says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in. Where? There is therefore now no condemnation who are in. Now don't end there. Who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to what? The spirit. So you realize that the contest of our walk with God in Christ, please pay attention. Oh, I'm showing you something that many people will not show you. So pay attention. The context of our walk with God in Christ is spiritual. True and true. So if somebody wants you to go to the Ten Commandments and keep it, is that spiritual? No. It's, not, it's never spiritual. It's never sp- because the law was given by God to control natural people. They were sinners and God decided to work with them. Okay. Let me look for this verse for you. I don't have it. Um, is it in First um, Corinthians? First Timothy. I'm trying to let me. Yes, First Timothy. Let's go there. First Timothy, chapter number one. I want to show you something. First Timothy, chapter number one. I, I don't want to. I want to get make you understand what I'm about to say. So let's read eight and nine. First Timothy chapter number one, verses eight and nine. It says, verse eight. But we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully. And you see, this is where. Please hold on. Look at me. Look at me. Wait. 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 I have heard a lot of some of these preachers who want us to live according to the law. They will come and read this verse. They will just read verse 8. And because a lot of Christians are, unfortunately, unfortunately, some Christians are lazy. As soon as the person reads 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8, I say, Bran, <laughs> As soon as he reads it like this to you, so it's in the Bible. Oh, then the law is good. Then we have to live by the law. Ah. Meanwhile, you see, the Bible was not written originally in verses and chapters. It is the people who put it together who made it, you know, in chapters and verses so that it would be easier for us to, uh, to read. But originally, it was not in chapters and verses. Okay? But even with this one, you realize that there's a comma there, which means the verse 8 is not the final thing. Now, look at the verse 9. He said, we know, look, let, I want you to read it in context. Let me read it again. 
But we know that the law is good if one uses it roughly. Knowing this, colon, means that what is coming is more important than what you have read. Knowing this, that the law <laughs> is not made for, for a righteous person, but for the lawless and insubordinate, for the ungodly and for sinners, for the unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for fornicators, for sodomites, for kidnappers, for liars, for perjurers, and if there's any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. So, the moment you want to live by the law, do you know what you are saying? You are saying, you are a murderer. You are not righteous. You are all of the bad things that has been listed there. I you know what I'm saying. Someone says, ah, so I trying to say that, Apostle, we are all righteous. Go back to Second Corinthians. Put your hand on this one. Go back to Second Corinthians, chapter five. Go back to Second Corinthians, chapter number five. Can we all read verse twenty-one together? Second Corinthians, chapter number five, verse twenty-one. Please, are you there? Are you there? All right. Let's read verse 21 together. One to go. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So, are you righteous? Oh, are, are you here with me? Answer, are you righteous? Now, are you righteous? Are you righteous? Some of you, like, you, you they don't believe that they are righteous. So. Are you righteous? Because our righteousness is in Christ. I, I, I am not getting a difference. So a preacher man comes and stands before you and says, Ah, no one is righteous. No one is righteous. You are not righteous. You are a sinner. I, I, I believe in Jesus. And you are still calling me a sinner. How is that possible? How is that possible? So if you want to live by the law, then it means that you have declared yourself openly, I'm a sinner. Because the law is not meant. See, by the grace of God, nobody will have any issue in this world. As we are working freely. Have you ever thought one day that one day police will come and arrest you? Nobody will have any problem in this church. But the armed robber who went last night to go and steal, even though he's walking, he knows any moment the police can catch him. I get what I'm saying. So, you don't practically, you don't need the law to even live because you are not doing anything that contradicts the law. They have not picked a gun to go and rob, so you are not living against the law. I get what I'm saying. But it will shock you to know that those criminals they know everything they have the, one of the some of them have the best criminal lawyers and they have taught them the law so they know the law and they are working there but you don't know anything about the law but you are living good you are not afraid you woke up in the morning you go to work you go home no normal everything is normal 
Imagine you wake up in the morning and you have to take the constitution of Ghana. Today, I have to live by this constitution. You, the constitution of Ghana, even the lawyers called Even Moses, who was giving the law, he broke it first. The, the, guy, the guy came and saw the people. It's like, no, 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 no. He broke. Even him, he broke the 10. The 10. How much more? The 604 that came later. Praise the Lord, somebody. Now go back to Romans chapter 8. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Verse 2. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Now, what is the law of sin and death? The law was not made for the righteous. The law of the Old Testament is what is described as the law of sin and death. I am not getting it now. I'm bringing you to a higher level. The law of sin and death is that law in the Old Testament that will tell you an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. And then Jesus came in Matthew chapter 5 and said, hey, you have heard in the law of Moses that an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, if someone, you know, wants your cloak, give him your trousers as well. Someone slaps you on the left, turn the right and let him complete it. But for the law, the law says that if you commit an offense, if you slap somebody, the spirit can slap you back. Praise the Lord. But here, it says, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. So when it comes to Christ, please, everywhere, you imagine that Christ is this place that we are fellowshipping. Eh? Is, is this enclave. Finish. In, in, in Christ. In Christ. Not outside. Not with. In. So in Christ is the, is the law of the spirit of life. In other words, when it comes to Christ Jesus, inside Christ, where you and I we are, there is no other law. The only law that is there is the spirit of life. Oh, come on, are you here with me, somebody? So as long as you are in Christ, what you are thinking about is life, eternal life. You don't think about death, you think about life. Because in Christ, is the spirit of life. I guess what I'm saying right now. You see, that's the difference. So, if somebody comes and says, I'm a prophet of God, and the person is starting talking, and the person is talking about the law of the Old Testament, the things you should do based on the Old Testament. See, I can pick the Old Testament, and when I'm reading, because I have understanding of who I am in Christ, I can say, oh, this one, it corresponds to our reality in Christ. This one, I'm not supposed to do it. Now, for example, you know, um, the, the message on, like, tithing, for example, the way it's been taught in the Old Testament. We give our thanksgiving, we thank God for the money he's giving. We give. But imagine a preacher start telling you that if you don't do according to what was prescribed in the Old Testament, then the devourer can come and devour you. It is not from God. It sounds that it's from God, but it is not from God. 
I'm telling you the truth. It's, it, it, it's in the Bible, yes. But it is not from God. Because in Christ, according to Ephesians chapter number what? Um, is it chapter 3? No, 1 verse 3. He said, we have been blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. So when it comes to the blessings, we don't lack blessings. Though. In fact, we give because we are blessed. I give my thanksgiving offering or I, because God has blessed me. So I said, oh, Father, you gave me this. Thank you for it. I am not giving to attract God's blessings because you know what? There was the most important sacrifice that brought God's blessings upon mankind. And that was the sacrifice of Jesus. That is the only sacrifice that has brought the blessings of God upon us forever. Amen. Just like the, the, the ten lepers that were healed. You remember when one was healed, it was only one who went to thank God, Jesus, that, oh, thank you for healing me. The same way, if you, you know you have been blessed by God, it shouldn't be difficult for you to even give an offering and say, oh, Father, I thank you, or, or so. You know, it should not be difficult because you know God is responsible for your blessings. That's why we give. But if you say, oh, I am giving so that the devourer will not come and devour me. Then now my giving is based on fear and not of love. Are you getting it now? Yes. Hey, if I don't give my tithe, I, I will broke. So they even say that if you are tight, check your tithe. In other words, if you are financially tight, you are not tightened. And they put people under condemnation. Meanwhile, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Those who don't live according to the, the flesh by the spirit. So any message you hear from a preacher that seeks to condemn you and make you feel condemned is a red flag. You are not in church. It's a red flag. See, I'm teaching you how to discern. Ah, look at Jesus. In fact, he told Peter, Peter, before the cock will crow, you will deny me three times. He prophesied to him. He told him what you, he would do to him. It is like you are working with a friend and then the Holy Spirit tells you, this friend will betray you. Okay? And you knew that this friend would betray you. And the friend actually went and betrayed you. He got you sacked from the office. You lost your job. You are now home. You don't have a job. And you knew it. But the friend also lost the job. And you are the one feeding the friend. It's like that. People look at you and say, hey. So what this friend did to you? Of all that, you are still doing good to this person. Uh-huh. That, is a, that is the levels. Jesus told Peter what he would do. Peter went ahead and did it. Now, look at the difference. You see, by the time Jesus, he, he died on the cross. Do you know the two people that were still around? John and Mary. Eh? The mother. They were only two people that were still there. Everybody else have left them. Not, not, as for Joseph, I don't know why... It, nothing about joseph was spoken again probably have to look for some materials to read about joseph the you know the husband of mary because everything about him was erased praise the lord 
So Mary and John. I'm talking about John, the one who wrote the book of John. And then they were the only ones. Jesus came back from the dead. He went to look for his disciples, his apostles. The first person he called was Peter. Peter, come. Peter, do you love me? He said, ah, Lord, you know I love you. Okay, if you love me, then feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Three times! And the Bible says, even Peter started getting angry. I don't know why I was called Peter, but Peter is quite controversial in the Bible. Sometimes I feel like changing my name. <laughs> when you read about the story of Peter, I feel like changing my name. Amen. Peter started getting angry. And then Jesus prepared the meal, the breakfast. I said, bring the fish, bring, let's eat. And I believe that the, the, the apostles were just looking at him. Is it real or is it not real? I said, okay. You are doubting. Come, come, touch, touch. Touch my palm. You see the hole is there. I said, then he, he raised his cloak. He said, have you seen the spear? Look at it. Why am I bringing this example? Jesus never condemned Peter for his betrayal. Rather, he made Peter to feel part of his fold. If you like, as I'm, t I'm, I'm, I'm teaching you, I've taught you today, now begin to observe. Most of the messages that come from the Old Testament, they are full of condemnation. Now, if like now, pay attention. You, as I've taught you today, observe. If you hear any preacher that is preaching about the Old Testament, the law, 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 is, is bundled up with a lot of condemnation. And they just use Jesus like uh, an icing on the cake. And say, oh, but if you have Jesus, you are okay. Condemnation. So if you, if you have ever engaged those seven-day Adventist people before, they are always full of um, quarreling. Those people always want to argue. Those people always want to fight. Those people always, I was like, ah, the spirit people carry is not from God. Always they want to fight. If you disagree with them, bah, hey, they will start calling you names. They will start insulting you. But they feel that they are the best version of Christ on earth. Amen. So how do you discern? If the person does not come to you, obvious that he's an antichrist person. How will you know? First of all, is this person talking from Christ? We must understand ourselves. Are you talking about the resurrected Christ or are you talking about Jesus before he died? Because our beginning, the beginning, our root, I even thought it one of my devotionals recently. Our root, our history, our foundation as Christians is in the resurrection of Christ. Don't, don't look at yourself based on Jesus before he died. Where you and I, we started from. It's from when Jesus was raised from the dead. That is the beginning. That is you and I, our beginning. So, when people want to like, because they feel that, okay, the, the Bible is a continuous um, story from Genesis to Revelation, 
so we we are a continuation of the jewish people no we are never a continuation of the jewish people we are never we our roots are not in the jewish people our roots they are in christ the resurrected christ are you here with me somebody that is where we start if jesus was not raised then we don't have any case but because he was raised and we believe in that that is where we start from amen somebody and in the resurrected christ please listen finally in the resurrected christ that christ is spiritual not carnal as we read in second corinthians 5 verse 16 that christ is not flesh again he is spiritual if you read second corinthians 3 17 you find it there the lord is the spirit praise the lord the lord is the, so the, that's why jesus christ said that if i don't go out with the holy spirit not come he's the holy spirit he is god god is the holy spirit so the flesh what he meant was that the flesh okay that he took upon himself that flesh have to now go away and then the reality of his glory will now come in the body so now he's a, so now god has a body and the body is the body of christ but that body is now spiritual body not a carnal body so in christ it is spiritual it is never flesh so don't go and be playing see those who are playing according to the lord they don't know what they are playing they are playing with fire there's no mercy in the law. There's no forgiveness in the law. But Jesus Christ, He showed a lot of mercy. Even in the face of the law. Praise the Lord, somebody. So please, discernment is important in these last days. A lot of people are coming in the name of the Lord. A lot of people are coming, they say they are prophets. You know, and our understanding of prophecy is so bad. Anybody comes and says, I'm a prophet. Anybody, just about anyone says, I'm a prophet. Because the person can say one or two, say, Who told you you're a prophet? They don't even know the role of prophecy in the church. They don't even know it. When, when you read 1 Corinthians chapter 14, what does it say? It says, Prophecy, 1 uh, Corinthians chapter 14, it says, Prophecy comes to do uh, three things. What? Edification. Uh, comfort and what? Edification, comfort and what? And exhortation. So real prophecy from God, real prophecy from God. I'm not talking about word of knowledge or but real prophecy from God in Christ must come to edify you. In other words, it must build you up. It must, it must encourage you. It must bring you comfort. Thank you for being a part of today's message. This program was brought to you by the friends and partners of the Spirit Life people. For further information, kindly visit us at www.thespiritlifepeople.com or subscribe to our podcast and YouTube channels or find us on all major social media platforms. Stay blessed and always remember that in Christ Jesus, we are free.